Alexis. If it's your first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can receive notifications whenever we post a new episode. And follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming Podcast to catch our reels, funny moments, and so much more. We are super active on our Instagram, so go check us out. Well, without further ado, I am your co-host Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev. Delaney, we have a signature question. We do. And we ask it to each other, and I think it's very interesting to hear, what is God speaking to you about lately? Yeah, I have been in a season of pain, just a lot of things going on in my life personally, and Coming out of that a little bit, I think, um, maybe, hopefully coming out of it a little bit, we know that God's like word says that pain is for a purpose, whether it's a purpose that we can see outwardly, it's always for a purpose at least to grow us, right? To transform us, to reveal something in us that needs to be dealt with. God always has a purpose for our pain, but I also have really felt like the Lord has been saying to me that our pain also prepa- sometimes prepares us for something, whether it's to um, be a better mom, be a better wife. Um, know how to comfort others. Know how to comfort others. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like God has been saying, like, I'm preparing you yeah. through your pain. Yeah. And that, too, is really comforting, that there's purpose for my pain and that I'm also being prepared for the work that God is doing. You know, I remember hearing a sermon once titled, Broken to be More Beautiful. Mm. And I, I've, I've clung to that many times in my life when I have felt broken and in pain and um, that God was using it. And it sounds like that's your experience now. Absolutely. It, it makes it uh, better. Doesn't make it go away. It makes it, in a way, I think, more bearable. Not yeah. in a way that makes the pain feel less, but just like I can get through it better. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, of course. Of course. Well, we continue today on our um, different podcasts on women of the Bible, these outsider women uh, that we're going to be talking about. And today yeah. we have one, Delaney. Would you give us some uh, background on this very odd story of Tamar? Yeah. Well, speaking of pain. Yeah. This episode, no kidding. Yeah. This passage has a lot of pain in it, too. But. I think the Bible, We I think we can all agree, Bible has some weird stuff in it, some odd stuff in there. This one, I don't know, might be the weirdest. I think you could make an argument <laughs> for that. It's, it's kind of out there. It's pretty wild. Um, but here's kind of where we're at, the context of this. So Tamar is who we're going to be talking about today primarily. Tamar was a Canaanite woman, and she married a man named Ur, just E-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting name. Anyways, she was, um, Ur was Judah's son. And, and Judah was one of Abraham's, I mean, one of Jacob's, Jacob's sons. sons. Right. Yeah. Yep. So her father-in-law mm-hmm. was Jacob. Right. You know, patriarch in the Bible. Well right. known. Um, and so this is how the family tree goes, just so we kind of get an understanding of this. It's Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the one that had the two wives, the sisters, Leah and Rachel, and then um, had 12 sons by both of those women. And then one of Jacob's sons was Judah, whose son, Ur, married the Canaanite woman, Tamar. All right, just give you a little genealogy there, all right? Yeah, that, that seems odd that someone from, you know, Israel would marry a Canaanite woman, a woman, because yeah. they, they were enemies and God told them to stay away and separate from those people. Yeah, it was not the way that God designed for 
Israelites to marry. But Truly. we do see people in the Bible doing that a lot. And so um, we definitely see consequences of that, though. Even if exactly. you think about Samson. It's it's history, but it's not prescriptive. You know, it, yes. it, it's descriptive. They describe it, but it's not for us to follow and Absolutely. do likewise. It's like the two wives thing. Like yeah. they talk about it, but it's not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and so we can find this account that we're going to be talking about today in Genesis 38. And what precedes this is the account of another brother who we all know, Joseph. He's being sold into um, the Egyptian slavery by his own brothers, Judah being one of those brothers. And Genesis 38 is actually an interruption of Joseph's story. And then Joseph's story resumes in Genesis 39. So why this interruption? This was this is was really interesting to me. Why mm-hmm. interrupt Joseph's story Let's, to share this weird story? I know in such a different. It, it's hard to figure out. You need to know some background. So tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's there's a couple of reasons um, why the, this could be the and the. There's a couple of reasons why this could be an interruption. One is to contrast the moral uprightness of Joseph with this entire story. The story has a lot of wickedness in it and can really be characterized with a phrase like wicked in the Lord's sight, which is actually used in Genesis 38. Or secondly, um, it could be to give evidence of why God sent his people to Egypt in the first place due to just this this rampant evil that they just, and the sin, just the cycles of this were just really deep. And um, if they had stayed in Canaan, they would have disappeared as a people by all the intermarriage. And so I think that's one of the reasons that God um, showed us the story. They would have totally forsaken the one true God for the idols in the area. So Bev, just knowing this background um, a little bit about like the context of this, can you tell us about the story of Tamar? Why is this so strange? Why is this even like a part of God's word? Because I had to really dig for this one. I know. It seems random. It seems out of place. So we do have to, and whenever you find something like that, realize that nothing's a mistake in God's word, that this has purpose and it's something to teach us. So let's look for those things. Mm -hmm. First of all, we need to know that Tamar is mentioned in Christ's own genealogy in Matthew 1. So we've seen a couple others. There's actually four women that are mentioned in that genealogy. Um, Tamar is the first, followed by Rahab, the prostitute, Ruth, the outsider, Moabite, and then Uriah's wife, which is an interesting way to put it. It's like the scripture gives kudos to Uriah. Uh, not Bathsheba specifically, the name. Yeah, or uh, David. Well, David's in it too, but yeah. Uriah, that is yeah. interesting. Why would it Isn't say it? that? It's honoring his memory, uh, I, I feel. Yeah. yeah. So what is this strange story of Tamar? What is it all about? It's really the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's demonstrating that it's that he is for all people, for Israel, for every tribe, nation, for sinners of every kind. It also tells us that as women, we are not overlooked by the Lord. Mm. So as you look at those names in that first chapter of Matthew and the heritage that Christ comes from, you realize that he was, um, he came from people like us. He identified with us in our humanity. Judah, this son of Jacob, uh, secured Tamar, a local Canaanite woman, to marry Judah's firstborn son, Er. That name. I know. E-R. That's E-R. all it is. It's E-R. E-R. The, the E-R. Yeah, really creative. <laughs> the Bible tells us he was so wicked in the Lord's sight that the Lord put him to death. Wow. Mm. You do read that occasionally. But this family, it happens twice. Twice. What was going on in that home and in these... It, it, 
must have been pretty awful. Judah had had gotten Tamar. Now, according to the um, the uh, Ur passes away. We got to have that part in there, and it says that the Lord had put him to death. Now, according to the Leveratic marriage, which means husband's brother, if one brother dies, another brother was to take the wife and have an heir for the dead brother. Now, Tamar was given to Onan, the second son of Judah, to marry her and do his duty to produce an heir in honor of Ur. An heir for Ur. Did you know that? Are you confusing me? <laughs> it's an heir. It is. It's producing it's an, an, an heir, heir for Ur. That's oh, right. Gosh. Okay. All right. There's, there's humor here too, I guess. Now, Onan was wicked as well. Scripture describes this very vividly. It says yeah. that he spilled his semen on the ground rather than provide an heir for his dead brother. Why was he against this? It would mean dividing the estate, which is greed. That's oh. the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I read that and I was like, this is very gross yeah. and a little, a lot. And and he did what he did. And doing that, Scripture calls it wicked in the Lord's sight. And mm. he too was put to death. Wow. So there's some bad stuff going on in this home. Now, at this point, Judah tells Tamar to go back to your father's house, sweetheart. Live as a widow. Wait for the third son, Sheila, to grow up. Really, though. Judah was afraid that this third son might die too. He's really, I think, blaming Tamar for their death. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the phrase, the black widow? Yeah. Except Tamar <laughs> didn't kill them. No, no, I know. But, you know, but we Judah always want to. that, I think. We always want to blame others. And yeah. I think that he was uh, very superstitious about having Tamar back in the family. So he sends her back to her parents. And this would have been really difficult for Tamar. Uh, We need to pause here just for a moment and remember that this is historically descriptive, as we've said earlier, Mm -hmm. and it's not prescriptive for our lives today. Second, Tamar would just be considered the personal property of Judah and his family. Mm -hmm. So in those days, at that time, Judah was within his rights with Tamar. Now, Tamar would probably have had no say in the marriage to these two men that were so wicked that the Lord put to death. She married into a foreigner's family. They were living in the Canaanite area. Tamar most likely trusted Judah to do the right thing, but they didn't. He didn't. Tamar is now a widow. Two times is left a desolate woman. How could she not feel abandoned, betrayed, thrown away, worthless, and perhaps the subject of talk behind her back? Yeah, I mean, think about that. Like, she must have felt like used and like maybe like questioning like did I have something to do with this well she's she's really just a a desolate woman living with her parents again you know with no family no heir no husband nothing so now what will Tamar do similar to our story in uh, Abraham and Sarah where Sarah takes matters into her own hands and I feel that Tamar also takes matters into her own hands it's like they know what God has promised and what's right but they go about it wrong She, by the custom of the day, was entitled to an heir from this family. So she takes on this little plan of herself that she puts. So she makes a little plan and devises a scheme. You might even call it that. And this is a real eyebrow razor, to say the least. Yeah, I think to say the least it is. Would you go on with the story now, Delaney? Yeah. So if if you're looking in Genesis 38, 12 through 30, 
I got to be honest, uh, this was hard to read. It's really bizarre. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's in God's word and we're going to study it. So verses 12 through 30 detail an account of Judah's wife dying. And then he also does some crazy things. Um, Someone told Tamar that her father-in-law Judah was going up to this place called Timnah. So she disguises herself with a veil and she goes to Timnah. Judah thinks she is a prostitute, which was part of Tamar's plan. Judah sees her. He doesn't recognize that she is Tamar and he sleeps with her. Okay. So all of that, we're going to get into this and unpack this later, but man. So as payment for um, her service, Judah says that he will send her a goat. And as proof that she will receive the goat soon, Judah gives her his seal and cord, like as like a promise, like I'm going to give you this payment that we planned and discussed. Yeah. And she asked for that specifically. Yes, she did ask for that, which is key. And as Tamar planned, she, or as Tamar hoped, really, she became pregnant with Judah's heir. And so Judah has someone go and try and find her and take this goat to her as a payment, but nobody can find her. Three months later, a message comes to Judah that his daughter-in-law is guilty of prostitution and is pregnant. Judah responds, bring her out and have her burned to death. The irony in this. Then Tamar reveals that that Judah is the father of her child by showing his cord and seal and that he gave her a promise that he gave for her as a promise of payment. And Judah said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Shayla. Important to mention, he didn't sleep with her again. The Bible actually says that. Um, and we know that after this, that Tamar has twin boys, Perez, which means breaking out, and Zara, which means scarlet or brightness. So for Tamar, life without a husband or a son would have been awful in those days. Like, as we said, she wouldn't have had any rights. She would have been desolate. I mean, she's experienced a lot of loss. Um, and she couldn't just remarry because she was Judah's property, technically. And so Judah's action of not giving his youngest son, Shayla, to marry her, he was kind of screwing her over. Frankly, he was he wasn't doing the right thing. And she didn't really have a future without that. And so Tamar decided that committing a sexually immoral act was going to save her. This was the plan that she devised. And knowing that Judah was committing the same immoral act could also save her in her mind that he was in on it, too. So Judah's response of saying that she was more righteous was was really an admission of his own sin in this, that he didn't give her the son in the marriage that she was owed. And so in this story, this is very clear. There's no hero or heroine in this story. Like the acts committed by Judah and Tamar were both unrighteous, were both sinful. For Judah, he didn't do the right thing by Tamar. And then he blamed her for something that wasn't her fault, which would have been the death of his sons. For Tamar, she didn't wait on the Lord to take care of her, but she manipulated a situation into helping herself. So a lot going on. Both of these um, really just... Both of these people are at fault here. But despite the evil, Jesus is often called the Lion of Judah. I think Judah's unrighteous leadership should make us more thankful for Christ's righteous leadership 
This is a consistent character flaw we see for for Judah. We also see in the way that he handled his hatred for his younger brother, Joseph, and how he didn't stand up and do the right thing when Joseph was sold into slavery. And this shows us that Judah was never meant to be the leader that Jesus embodied. Jesus is the fulfillment of Judah's bad leadership, and Jesus is the ultimate, perfect, sinless leader. Genesis 38 also shows us the depth of transformation that God did in the heart of Judah. And we see in Genesis 43 and 44, we see more of this. We all remember when Joseph saw the brothers who sold him into slavery um, when he was in Egypt and the brothers were there because there was a famine and his brothers came there for food and they didn't know who Joseph was. And so Joseph created like a test to see if they had changed. It had been many years since they sold him into slavery and he put silver into their youngest brother's bag and Joseph accused him of stealing and then um, said that said that the youngest brother like had to stay back in Egypt with Joseph and Judah actually offered to take the youngest brother's place proving that he was not the same man who sold Joseph into slavery and who treated Tamar horribly. So I really think that 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 would have been a big sacrifice to him. He offered to take the place of Benjamin, the youngest brother, and to stay back in Egypt. And so through circumstances, God molded Judah into a right a righteous leader, right? He changed us. That's what he does for us. Is he allows our circumstances to happen in our lives to shape us. He takes our sin and redeems it. And so in all of this too, we also see that God did protect Tamar. He redeemed her sin. He protected her sons, her twins from being killed. And just as Joseph said, do you remember? I think it's in, I forget what part of Joseph's story it is, but he said, 50. Yeah, he said, what the you, the last in, chapter, the last chapter, he said, what you intended for harm, God used for good. And this is a good sum up, I think, of Genesis 38, was both these people are caught in sin. Both of these people take matters into their own hand, and God redeems it. He does. It doesn't get rid of the consequences of the sin, but God redeemed it. He and, he, and he still provided protection mm-hmm. in it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love the transformation of just Judah, that Judah went from this guy who was like, frankly, abusing his power of you know, throwing his brother into a pit and selling him into slavery, abusing his power with Tamar, and that God transformed him in a lot of ways. And I love the fact, too, that God protected those twins. Yeah. Um, you know, life in the womb is precious to God. Absolutely. And so I think, too, to like even my own life, like there have been many times where um, I have taken my hard situation into my own hands instead of trusting God like Tamar did. I know that we have all done that. Specifically, when I found out when I was pregnant that I was pregnant with Jackson when I was 19, I decided to have an abortion. And thankfully, God divinely intervened in my life in the waiting room of a Planned Parenthood. And through his tender mercy, he sent God's people to support me, mainly my parents. But it was something that like this this thing that Joseph said just really sticks with me is what I intended for harm, God turned into something good. He intervenes in situations. And you get to k- see him and kiss him every day. I know. What a gift. What a gift. What a gift. But that's what God does. He does. Well, are you in a squeeze play situation where you have little to no control and are tempted to get even? That could have been the temptation here for Tamar. Tamar was very discreet with her accusation against her father-in-law. She did it privately. When we have been hurt, we want to strike back, but God says vengeance is his. We go to the same level as those who have hurt us when we want to take vengeance. 
ask God to enter into your squeeze play, whatever that might be today, and show you the right next thing to do or not do. Take it into your own hands. But instead, trust him to redeem it. Mm. Can I pray for us? Yes, please. Heavenly Father, this indeed is a most unusual story, but after we break it down, we can see that it has a lot of rich truth for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that life is precious to you. Thank you, Lord God, that you keep your word and that you protect and that you redeem our foolish mistakes of taking it into our own hands. Help us to learn from those situations, Lord, and not just to keep repeating them and repeating them in our life. Help us, Lord, to our first instinct in any kind of a squeeze play situation, a place where we have, not to our own choosing, we've been put in it. And I pray, Father, that we would turn to you, our defender, our our right hand, a God who has all power, strength, and wisdom, and will defend us, provide, and protect us in that situation, Lord. So our eyes are upon you, and we thank you, Lord, for God's word, your word, Lord, which Mm -hmm. is so rich and so filled with real life. Thank you, Lord. What a gift. In Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.